welcome to Jewish Midlife. Hi, I'm Dvara Krasniansky. And in this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Revitin Batchen Grossman, who's a coach specializing in the intersection of marriage and business. Our conversation delved into the fascinating calm method that Batchen developed, which offered powerful insights into tuning to our true desires and seeking guidance from God to bring those into our lives. What's so exciting about the calm method is that it can be used in so many aspects of our lives, including business, marriage, among others. In this episode, we explore the significance of reconnecting with our spouses, particularly in midlife, when our lives undergo significant changes. As responsibilities, interests, and family dynamics shift, it becomes essential to tune in again, fostering deep connections and making necessary adjustments. So tune in as we unpack the calm method and explore the intricacies of nurturing both our marriages and our changing lives. Enjoy. I've heard your podcast before and I've seen you on different shows. So I'm really excited about talking to you because you have that interconnection between marriage and running a business. And that's a lot of what's happening in midlife is like marriages are changing. The dynamics of a life is changing. So I'm really excited to be talking to you about marriage in general. And maybe we'll even get to talk a little bit about how that interacts with business and just starting other different parts of your next phase of your life. Before we even get into our conversation, can you tell us about your background and what you're doing? Yes. So hi, thank you so much for having me. Okay. So I'm a marriage coach for women in business. And that intersection is something that fascinates me because I was a woman in business. I was a graphic designer for 15 years and I chose that because I knew I wanted my husband to be a rabbi and I wanted a profession that was going to support that. So I went in as a little 18 year old getting trained as a graphic designer in Pratt Institute. And I became, I became really big. I worked on fifth Avenue and I lived when we lived here in Israel, I worked uh, for a big, you know, a really big name. And then I opened up my own thing and I was growing and growing and growing and the whole time the process of growing, I felt myself pulled back and trying to grow and then pulled back and then committing to grow. And this like pulled back thing was really frustrating. And when I was at a conference, I said to my friends, I said, I don't know why we're all just holding ourselves back. And they said, well, you know, I don't need that much. I don't need to become a millionaire. I just need to make it to like enough. You know, I just need a little bit more. And I said, we're, you know, we sound like such weirdos. Like, you know, if, if we were men sitting around the table, could you imagine some guy saying like, I just need to make a little bit more. No, you know what you're worth. You can do it, whatever, like their confidence level, even if it's not up to par with what actual life is, it's not, not in, in alignment, you still have that confidence and you still want whatever you can get. Like, why is it that we're holding ourselves back so much? And I realized for me, and I said this out loud, I think my husband's holding me back. I think my marriage is holding me back because I feel like if I got too big, then I would lose that. And especially during that time, like there was a lot of celebrities and people who I was following and I knew about who got to a million and then got divorced or got to six figures and then finally had the freedom to leave their family or leave their husband or whatever. And I was like, I don't want that to be me. So there's a subconscious thing that says you can't make it too big. 
because you're just going to have to pay a price and the price is too big to pay. So it's not worth it. Right. So there's like, I want to get bigger, but I'm being pulled back. And I was blaming it on my husband because it's very convenient. <laughs> it's a very useful uh, excuse. But in reality, after I exploded at him and told him all this, he made me realize it has nothing to do with him. Like, you know, I'd be happy if you made more money and I I could do whatever I need to do to support you. And like, you know, we started having a conversation about this and I realized, yeah, it's me holding myself back. And why am I doing that? So that's the backstory of how I got to being a marriage coach for women in business, um, mainly because I had to figure it out on my own and for myself. And the reason why I say that is because there's a ton of marriage advice out there that's really great for the old-fashioned marriage, <laughs> um, where the man's on top and the woman's, you know, sort of trying to like climb up to be an equal, but they didn't take into consideration that there's marriages where the woman's on top, like, you know, much higher. She's more successful. She's more knowledgeable. She may be more in tune or more into self-discovery and self-development. So she's a lot more up there. And the husband's just like, eh, whatever, I'm fine. I'm comfortable. Right. And then what do you do with that? The old fashioned, you know, empower the women, which they did really well, you know, with our generation is now hitting us back and being like, ah, if I keep empowering myself, I'll probably just grow the gap and it's going to make it worse. So how do I find a way to make my marriage succeed and also allow myself to really thrive? And that's where it started. After I actually did it and succeeded and got better clients and got more money and made it in the graphic design world, my friends all looked at me and said, okay, what'd you do? And I had to sit down and reverse engineer what it is that I did. And I put it into a method. And I called it the calm method because C-A-L-M are the four letters that represent the four steps to creating that flow. I can go into that if you'd like. Would you I like think that whole, the whole background is fascinating. I always love hearing the backstory of how someone got to what they were doing. And I think that question is so important. I think even more so, as we are like hitting our forties and fifties. And so we grew up from a different time that the information that we grew up with and the models that we saw don't necessarily work for who we are. So I'm really fascinated by your story. And now let's hear about this calm method so that we can help others move through and get to that sense, I guess, sense of calm that you now have. So let's go. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so the calm method are the four steps that you need in order to create that flow and that integration between all the parts of yourself. And step one starts with connect to yourself. That's the C, it's step one. And you have to stop everything and connect with yourself. It is so hard because there's so much noise of what you're supposed to do and what you're meant to do and what's the right thing to do and all the external noise that exists and is super loud and in order for you to really connect and hear the inner voice and be in touch with what you want you have to be able to lower the volume on all that and so step one is what do I really want what do I really want what matters to me right a lot of people say you can't have it all well you can't have someone else's all 
but you can definitely have your all if you sit down and really figure out what is it that you want, right? I want to have a really powerful marriage and a really powerful business. I don't think they need to contradict. And I'm going to find whatever ways I can to make them support each other and work in alignment, right? And I I was able to do that by bringing God into it. And then once you have God, it's just sort of all magnetizes to the same source, right? Because Hashem, God, put me here to be a wife and a mother. He also put all these ideas in me and made me want to spread the light. So he's not going to do this, you know, go against me and just be like, oh, well, too bad. You got to pick. No, it's all for him. So I use God as my anchor and I, you know, always uh, fall back on that, you know, but okay. So step one, connect to yourself. I want you to put your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath, really lower your shoulders and ask yourself, what do I want? What do I really want? And that's going to guide you. And it's really important. Sometimes you're going to have to journal. Sometimes you're going to have to write pros and cons of whatever it is that you're trying to decide on. Whatever it is, the step one is being really clear on what you want. Why? Because step two is ask for abundance, is turn to God and say, here's all I know, here's what I want, and I want to know if it aligns. I want to know if my will aligns with your will. I want to know if this is your will, and if, if, if I'm on the right track here, then help me, show me, guide me, right? You're the only one who knows better than every, anyone else. So let's let's work together. Let's be a partner. What this does is it takes it off my shoulders. It takes it out of my hands. The control grabby thing goes away. And now I'm in a new level of consciousness. I know what I want. And I'm bringing God into it. And I'm asking for help. And I'm asking to be shown. And I'm asking to be guided. And what happens next is just amazing. And it's step three. Step three is listen for the answer. Listen for the answer means that, you know, we're here for a relationship with God, not just to be told and, you know, bossed around. It's all about a connection. It's about a relationship. It's two ways. So I turn to God and I tell him what I need and I ask for guidance and I, I ask to be shown and God shows me, right? And he guides me and he's helping me. Now, how do I know? I once went to my rabbi and I asked him this, said, I want to do God's will. I'm, I'm a good girl. I want to do God's will. And if I just knew what God wanted, then I would know what he wants. And then I'd be able to know what I want. And then everything would just sort of work out. But I'm feeling so stuck because I don't know what God wants. And this doesn't make any sense. Like, I feel like I'm fighting reality. And the rabbi told me, oh, it's very simple. God wants what is. And I was like, what? That sounds too, uh, like, what? <laughs> so I had to really think, you know, sit with it. And he said, whatever is in reality, in this world, is only what God wants. Because if he didn't want it, he wouldn't make it. He wouldn't let it be. And he's the one who's creating everything and running everything. He's the God. So there is no question. So if you want to know what God wants, you just look through reality. Look at what's happening. 
be grounded. And I love that because it really works with my whole brand. You know, my business is called Connected for Real. And it's all about, I'm very connected. Like my my soul is extremely connected. I have like a direct line to God. And when I'm asking my friends, like, what's my superpower? That was the thing that they said. But they said, but the weird thing is that you're also so practical and so grounded and so normal. <laughs> it's like to them, these were like two different things. And how do you put them together? And that's part of my, you know, superpower integrating different things. I think that you can't be just connected. You can't be living in la la land and be extremely, you know, spiritual and fluffy and not be living in this world. Like we are here in this world to live this world. And so here is another example of that. I get to know what I want. I bring God into it. And then I listen for the answer. What does this look like in practicality? I knock on the door and the door opens or it doesn't open or it opens later, right? There's a different window that opens up and says, hey, come over here. And there's a crumb and I follow that crumb and there's another crumb and another crumb. And I call up someone or someone calls me or suddenly there's a connection that remembers me and says, hey, I was thinking of you. All these things are just going to come through whatever life is, and you're going to pick up that this is God's answer. Now, here's the thing. This happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's hitting us in the face constantly, but we don't put the two and two together. We don't connect the dots. So when you're doing the call method, one of the main things is to stay awake and aware that this is actually what I asked for this morning. <laughs> that is very, a lot of things happened between this morning and this afternoon, right? So I stood in prayer and I said, God, I really want this thing to, you know, to take shape. I really, this is something that really lights me up. Show me how to make it happen. If this is your will, like, let's get it moving, right? Help me. And then I go on with my day and it just happens to be that I meet this friend who has this other friend who brings up my name and, oh, and somehow that evening she, you know, schedules a call with me. If I'm not awake enough and conscious enough to realize that was the answer to the question I asked this morning, then it's just going to go over and blow, you know, blow right over me. So I have to be extremely attentive and extremely open to hearing God's answer and connect the dots back to my request. Okay, so we have connect to yourself and then ask for abundance, listen for the answer. And at this point, you could say, ta-da, it's over. Like you got your answer. You asked for it. You got your answer. Everything's working great. But there is one really important step that can never be missed. And this is the secret of mastering a higher level of consciousness. It's the M, master a higher level of consciousness. Okay, you bring it back to yourself. This looks like this. You ask, you, you get to know what you want. You ask and you listen and you actually get answers. You're like, oh, that's what God wanted. Oh, that's what I'm, okay, I'm gonna say yes to that. Oh, okay, I'll take it. Okay, I'll, you know, I'll knock on the next door. Whatever it is, I got the answer. I am functioning from a different level of consciousness. Now, if I could just, you know, if I am normal, like everybody else, I'm like, next, you know, okay, that was cool. What's next? Let me want more things. Let me communicate more. You know, it's cool. This, by the way, is what happens to people when they're on that, like, um, hamster wheel, 
of self-development, they forget to celebrate. They forget to master what they just created. So they're running from one thing to the next. They're constantly growing. They're constantly getting in touch with what they want. They're constantly seeing miracles, but they never stop to take a breath. And the breath is really important. So master a higher level of consciousness would be celebrating, thanking, surrounding yourself with the right people who you can share it with, really being in gratitude, all these things and more are ways to solidify the experience, use it as fuel to propel you forward to the next thing. And so now you're not working hard to stay up on a higher level of consciousness. Now it's just become normal. It becomes your new, your new comfort zone. You just flying now, right? If like, let's say in the past, you were just sitting in the mud, throwing mud at people, blame, shame, icky, frustration, overwhelm, all the stuff that we're all trying to like get rid of, right? It's like, that's a very low level of consciousness. You're just so disconnected. Everything feels so heavy. Suddenly you connected with yourself. You know what you want. You turned to God and you brought him into it. You started seeing results. You started seeing, oh, I'm getting answers. Oh, I'm getting like miracles are happening. You know, I asked for this and it just worked out or it didn't work out, but it led me to the next thing. And I'm seeing that I'm on the right track and I'm seeing evidence. Oh, this is so cool. Your body, your, your mind is starting to be on a different level. You're now flying, right? And the first thing your brain is going to do when you're flying, even though, Ooh, you know, your brain's thinking, wow, the air quality is nice here. And the view is beautiful. I'm really liking it here, but I'm not used to it. I don't know how to live up here. Nosedive right back down to the mud, right? And that's why we have the roller coasters. So you make sure that you're celebrating, thinking, talking about what just happened to show your brain evidence of why this is our new normal, of why this is actually taking us in the right direction, of how we want to stay in this. And that's going to propel you forward to continue to be on that higher level. Okay. A lot of questions that come up, but one of the main questions is why can't I just go straight to God? Like, why do I need step one? Why connect with yourself? Just go straight to God and be like, okay, God, I'm ready. I'm here. Which is, you know, what we've been taught a lot is just go to God, go to God, just turn to him. Right. In any situation that feels a little like too much, just go to God. And that's great. But this is what it sounds like when you go straight to God without step one. I don't know what you want from me, God. I'm just overwhelmed. There's so much going on. I don't know what you, you know, like the energy there is so gross and your capacity to receive is almost at zero because you're in such a low place. So if you don't take the time to sit down with yourself and put together a plan of what do I want? What am I feeling called to do? You know, and by the way, that want within you is also from God, like God put that in you, but it's a whisper. And so you have to really sit down with it and listen to it. But what it's going to help you do, it's going to help you come prepared. So when you come with, you know, a list or with pros and cons, or just with an idea of what you really want, suddenly God is like, okay, you know, welcome. Now we're talking what's up? Let me show you. Right. And you're a lot more open, attentive, you know, able to contain the abundance 
that is coming next. So that's just an answer that comes up, you know, usually. So I'll just put it out there. It's really important to start with step one, connect to yourself. And don't forget the last step, master a higher level of consciousness, because that's going to be the step that's going to help you sustain and maintain and almost, you know, master the higher level of consciousness so that you don't ever have to go back down to the mud. Wow. So you said a lot, so many things. I think it's so important now to connect with yourself. And I think that as we go through life, there's lots of connection points that we have to like, just because we connected back when, and we know what we wanted when we were in our twenties and our thirties now at midlife and, and really throughout life, things are changing. And whether you, it's like you were doing once graphic designing and now you're doing well, this marriage courses and these marriage arrangements and the, the interplay with marriage and business that's another connect. And I think that's really important is like, just because we started on a path and we were doing well, I think we always have to tune into who am I now and what is my situation now? And what do I want now? Because things change. I think that's really important. And I think the skills of doing that, whether it's journaling and or talking with somebody, the right somebody, not just any somebody. And that's a, a, but really connecting, I think is such an important piece and then of course everything flows from there but I think that the connecting piece is super important especially at this point in our lives when things are changing and we're looking to the future what do we want for the next part of our life and not just going with what was just because it was exactly I think that especially in midlife what happens is that we don't realize that we've evolved and we've grown and we've gone through so much a lot of, you know, there was once a, an Instagram post where this lady was cutting vegetables and suddenly she stops and it says right above her head, like in text, that moment when you realize you're not single and, you know, living in New York anymore, you know, like now you're totally beyond, like in a different state, state of your life, you know, different season, but like all of us have this identity of ourselves as what we were. And our brain hasn't caught up <laughs> that we've grown and our families have grown and our capacities have grown and our skill sets have grown and our experiences have filled us with so much that we can use to continue growing. If you don't take the time to ask, what do I really want? You're going to still be working with the programming that you had way back then and a lot of times that's not serving you anymore because that's already passed. I also find that midlife kind of, for many people, it kind of takes us to a new place when the family dynamics are changing. And so what we were, if we continue, just continue doing what we were doing, then we can't even continue doing, we're not doing carpool anymore because so now what do we do with that new time or what do we do with that energy that we used to use for carpool and for all of that? So I think that's the, the beauty of midlife is kind of telling us to ask ourselves again, what do we really want to really connect with ourselves and for the for the next step? Because carpool is not a thing anymore. And sometimes the friendships that you had because of the carpool and because of the kids, while they were friends and knew you, they were such a part of your life, these, fam these friends or these women are not part of your life as much because you don't carpool anymore. And I think that, that kind of forces us to ask the question, if we're not no, like or or we just get that frustration. So I think that as, grounding it in the question, what, connecting with myself at this point is so important to recognize 
all those stirrings or all those things that are happening are happening so that we ask ourselves again, what do I need? What do I want? And then go yeah. through the rest I of the process. I love that. And there's two ways that we are, you know, pushed into this transformation. You can have, you know, the classic way that people sort of already know from people's experiences, like forced into it, right? Something happens and then you're like, oh, new reality. I had to figure it all out and it was painful and hard, but I did it and I've learned so much. And now, you know, I've reinvented myself or there's the intentional way where it's like, you know what, God, I'm feeling pulled. I'm feeling called. I'm feeling ready. There's a new stage in my life. There's a new, uh, you know, season that I'm in. Let's see what, what, what do you want? You know? And when I was pregnant with my number six, this is what happened. I was a graphic designer. I thought I made it to the top. Like, I don't want to ever change this because it's working. Right. Like, yes, you know, finally. And suddenly I'm, you know, throughout my whole pregnancy, I'm just feeling called and feeling pulled and feeling like there's something I need to, you know, look into. I'm like, why, what do you want for me? You know? And I would pray every day. I'm like, what do you want? What do you want? Show me what you want. Because I just don't know. I don't know what this poll is doing, but I am, I'm aware of something going on. And so my experience was very intentional. It was not forced by, you know, I didn't have to be kicked out of my chair or pushed out of my comfort zone. I sort of was guided slowly crumb by crumb. But when I was telling my friend at the park this, she said, oh my gosh, I was going through the same thing where I was, a, you know, a massage therapist and I thought I had it all put together and suddenly God is pushing me to do something else. But for me, it had to be forceful because I was fighting it tooth and nail. I was resisting it. I wasn't interested. So eventually she got to a point where she had to, you know, be forced out of working where she, you know, and how she was working and her business had to completely take a, a hit for her to realize, okay, fine. Okay. God, I'm listening. What do you want? You know? So our, our situations were very much parallel, but very different in experience. And I think that's something that you can really avoid if you can get connected and, and really centered with yourself, allow yourself to get the answers. Sometimes we don't, no, you know, I was asking for a long time. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Until one day I said, you know what? Show me. And by the way, warning, be careful. If you ask God to show you, he will show you. <laughs> and that day I got three people who came to ask me for advice, three random people from different places and different things. And I was like, you want me to be an advisor? You know, what does this mean? And then the next day, more people. And you know, I was that type of person anyway, but the fact that I asked to be shown and then I was shown and I followed the crumbs and I followed the intuition and I really was able to figure it out. It makes life less uh, intense, <laughs> less up and down, you know, less uh, unexpected and more like I'm open to hearing, you know? And so the unexpected is still there, but it comes from a different place. It's a different energy around it. So I highly recommend if you are at the stage where you're shifting gears and you're no longer doing the things you were doing and the kids have grown up and, you know, there's different things going on, sit down with yourself 
and just ask, what do I want? What do I feel called to do? What am I excited about? What makes me different? You know, a lot of times when you're looking for your superpower, you can't see it on yourself. To you, it's something that comes so naturally. As I said, my superpower is being super connected, you know, and bringing God into every part of my life and being super practical and, you know, being really grounded in reality and being super positive. So people said that to me and I was like, yeah, but that's not a job, <laughs> right? Like you don't see that as a thing. You just think that's normal. That's me. That's who I am. You know, some people are like, I'm super organized. Yeah, but nobody's going to want to pay for that, you know, or I'm, you know, whatever it is, I, I have a ton of energy and I love to cook a lot. Whatever it is that your superpower is, it's mostly going to be hidden from you because to you, it just feels like, well, oh, so there's no, no big deal. Everybody does that. You know, I thought, I thought everybody was super connected. I don't know. I didn't think it was a special thing, but one of the things I did, by the way, is I sent out a questionnaire to 50 of my friends and I asked them to help me. And that was super helpful because as soon as I heard what they were saying about me, I was like, they're all saying similar things, you know, like there's a pattern going on and it's the things I wouldn't have thought of on my own because to me, they just seem too little or too insignificant. I think that's, just, I love when I do that. I send also clients to talk to other people. They, beside, of the, beside of the practical advice that comes through from that, I feel like people feel seen finally. And like, oh, and like it's, it's just wonderful to, to gather all that, what people have to say. And the, the compliments and the acknowledgement of who I am. And you see that it's not just, you, oh, you're just, you know, that takes out that, that just, it makes it into a something important, something that you who is that's uniquely me. I love that exercise. Yes, asking fifty people or asking ten people. Of course, fifty people you'll get more of insight. Start with ten, but build it up, and you can really get some sort of pattern. But it's also like good to hold on to for later, especially when you're feeling like I have to push through something, and right. you see that I really people see that I I'm able to do that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, you know, in the beginning, I was, I was so beginner, you know, there was, I didn't even have the concept of getting support at the time. Like I was so new at this whole experience. And one of the things I realized is that I just need to start hearing and listening to the right things. And so I started listening to podcasts. That was my introduction to podcasting. And those podcasts started to, to nurture me and train me to think a different way and to see the value in getting support and getting a coach or getting, you know, being part of a group. And eventually I was really frustrated because I didn't have money for a coach. And I was like, ah. Oh, like now that I feel ready, I don't have the money. Like, does that make any sense? And in my conversation with God, I decided that, you know what? It doesn't cost any money to look for a coach, to find the right one. Maybe what I need to do is get to a place where I know who I want, right? Just like connect to yourself. I know what I want and then it will happen. But until I know what I want, 
it's on me to try to figure it out. So I actually made it my business to follow a bunch of coaches, start to listen to what they're saying, you know, get their freebies and get their emails and do their challenges or whatever. And I was doing all these challenges and all these summits and all these things. And eventually you start to really sift through who you trust and who you don't, who speaks your language and who doesn't, who you want to work with and who, you know, who doesn't. And that, that really helped me feel like I'm moving forward without having to pay for anything, you know, like I committed. Um, and then when I was ready, the money came, it was so crazy how that happened. I love how you said like, it doesn't cost anything to start looking. Yeah. Like I know it seems very overwhelming to nothing that is going to cost or is go I'm going to have to make some ma major changes, but it doesn't cost to start looking and there's no commitment in that, but it also gets that action ball rolling. And then you start finding what works for you. And I, I just love that important piece of information that it doesn't cost anything to start. Yes, so let's bring this back to marriage because I think that's a lot of what you, so marriage and midlife, I think does change for a lot of people when the family dynamics are, and for some people, they can go back into, they can start a business, go back into a business. And so like, and then sort of what you were saying before is that that interplay of the marriage and the business or the, or let's even say something of doing a chesed or just the, the dynamics will change when you use your time differently. So what can someone be thinking about or some or conversations to have so that when they start a whole new part of their life, they keep their marriage intact or or even enhanced. So the first thing I want you to remember is that we fall into these rhythms, right? Our brain likes to be really lazy about things. So there's a lot of defaults that it creates. And so at this age already, and at this point in life, you already have your systems and you have your defaults and this is how you react and this is how he reacts. And then this is how you end up, you know, dealing with it and whatever. And it's very easy to stay in that. And a lot of people say, well, it takes two to tango. So if he doesn't go and get help, then I can't fix him, you know? And, and uh, if we don't go together, then there's no point of going. And I think that's the biggest mistake I've heard, you know, ever since I started, you know, that was the first question that I got when I said, I only work with women. Like, how could you? What about the men? They have so much to work on, you know, like they need the fixing more than anyone. And I said, it's true, but you have to realize that men are very different than women. And if you ever read the uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, Men love to go into their caves, figure it out on their own and come out and take responsibility for finding the solution, right? Women, they like to talk to everyone and collect information and get advice and really get guidance and then figure it out. And they don't mind figuring out together. They're like, you know, very team player. This is why it's so fun to network with other women, right? And we have that nature where we want to be helped and we're ready to put in the work, you know, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then I'll see if it works and if it's, you know, exactly what I need and then I'll adjust and then I'll, you know, keep moving forward. It's very exciting. So when you tell a woman, get coaching, it's going to be good for you because a coached brain is very different than an uncoached brain. And, you know, an experience that is guided is a lot more different than an experience that's not guided, you know, 
there's a coach that says that getting coaching shortcuts the time that anything takes because you don't have to fumble around and figure it out on your own. You can just have a, you know, direct roadmap. Um, if you tell a man he needs help, he feels like you're taking him to the, to the principal's office, right? It's an icky feeling. He's being, you know, he feels like he's in trouble. He feels like there's something wrong with him. And then you don't respect him and that you don't see the value of what he brings. And, and he goes into this whole story that isn't even true, but that's just how his natural reaction is to being told he needs help. And this is not for every man. I know a lot of men who love coaching and do really great with coaching and they're able to make the most out of it. But I'm talking in general, if a man doesn't want or isn't interested, the last thing you should do is take him by the ear, right? Like, let me show you what we're doing now. You know, this is where, you know, this is who, how we're going to fix this. Um, that's number one. Number two, if you sit in a room and you have who to blame, you will 100% of the time blame the other person. You will never take responsibility for something if you have the person right there. <laughs> so when you come on your own, you can complain about him as much as you want and you can get it all out of your system. And it's going to be great because it's going to feel like a release and, you know, validation of how you feel and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, what do you really want? It's going to be the first question, right? It's like, I just want peace. I just want to feel really, you know, loved. I I want to feel successful. I want to do something with my life. Whatever the answer is for you, that you're going to have to take responsibility for yourself, you know? And that's where it starts. It's you take responsibility and you go make it happen. Nobody's stopping you. Nobody's holding you back. It's all the story that we tell ourselves. Oh, my husband's holding me back. It's his fault we don't have this, that, the other. Like, no, no. That's not true. And actually, when you can when you commit for yourself and take responsibility for yourself, you're going to see magic because what happens is it spreads. It's contagious. When you start raising your level of consciousness, when you start becoming more attentive, when you start to model the things that you're learning, he's going to pick it up. And of course, he's going to say it's his idea and he figured it out all by himself. Fine. Give him the credit. Who cares? As long as the atmosphere in the house is changing and it's actually starting to feel like you're moving towards something, that's going to be amazing. Okay. So that's number one is realize that it can change. It's probably going to change the best if you take responsibility for your own happiness and do something about it without needing his blessing, you know, without needing his support, without needing him to tell you, yeah, yeah, you deserve it. Go ahead, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you just have to want it bad enough to say, I want it. You know, this is what I want. I found what I want. I'm going to go do it, you know? And I'm not saying go against your husband. Please do not. I coach people through how to talk to your husband when you want coaching and how to make it mutual, you know, an agreement and, and how to communicate the wants and the results and all that stuff. I, I use the call method for that as well, but you don't need him for you to be happy. You need to be happy for yourself and that's going to change it all for you. So I think, you know, to your question in, in marriage, we tend to feel like 
this is going to be forever like this. He's always going to sit on the couch. He's always going to be grumpy. He's going to be, you know, criticizing what I'm doing. He's not going to be as supportive as blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm, I already know the story, right? Cause you're living in the story forever and the rhythms are there, but trust that as soon as you change the dance, the dance will change. Cause all it takes is for one person to start a new dance. A nuance off of that is so let's say someone does start going into business. She always had dinner ready at whatever time and now she's going into business or going to be using her time differently. It's going to impact the family dynamics too. So there's a part, it's not only that, you know, I want to do it. And so I can do it. There's actually, it's going to make some changes and you may even be asking him to make dinner every so often or be have dinner later or whatever it is. So there's some of that part of the conversation. So we talk to that. Yeah. So connect to yourself. Know what you want, right? If you come to your husband and you ask him, what do I want? Oh, it's so frustrating for a husband. Oh my gosh. This is one of the biggest complaints that husbands have. She's not decisive. What do I have to tell her what she wants? You know, I'm like, what do you want? I don't know. What do you want? Ugh. Like to them, this is crazy, right? It, they don't understand because to them, what they want is very clear. So when you come knowing what you want, you've completely changed the, the, the conversation. Completely. Already you started on a different note. Okay? This is what I want. And you brought God into it. You asked for abundance, right? Before the conversation even started, you sat down with yourself, you figured out what you want. And you brought God into it and said, God, help me, show me, guide me, and put the right words in my mouth to communicate this, right? And when you come and talk to your husband, this is now step three, listen for the answer. So you've already done a lot of the work without even starting the conversation. But step three could look like this. Hey, you know, I want to start a business and I'm really excited about it. I'm feeling really called to be doing this new thing. And what I'm going to need is a lot more support in the house. So would you be able to, you know, do suppers, blah, 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 do more laundry, whatever it is that you decided you needed help with because you sat down and, you know, made a list or thought it through, you know, would you be able to support me with this? What do you think of my new idea? How do you, you know, and then he's going to be like, first of all, blown away because usually we've never had this type of conversation before in this way, <laughs> you know, like we're not really used to sitting down and being so respectful and nice about things. Um, most people, I mean, a lot of times you could be like, hey, listen, I'm getting this thing and I need your help. And like, come on, you know, and it's not the same, right? Like when I'm coming from a different place, I'm very clear on what I want and what I need. I'm also very clear that it's all from God. So when I address my husband, I need support in this. Which, which one of these things do you think that you can take? And which ones of these things on the list do I need to get external support? You know, maybe I'm going to have to hire someone else to do my laundry. Maybe I need to hire, you know, someone to make me meals twice a week. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to have to buy takeout. Whatever it is, God can figure it out. It's not dependent all on your husband. So the pressure is off. 
Now your husband can have a couple of reactions. And by the way, this happened with me when I was uh, selling my program. I had my mastermind. I had two ladies who wanted to join very similar situations. I don't know what my husband's going to say. I taught them the calm method. I said, you sit down with yourself. Why do you want this? How do you want it? What do you need? All the things bring God into it. God, I want this so badly. If it's the right thing, then make it work out. If it's the wrong thing for me, show me what is better for me. Like show me what's next. Okay. And then put the words in my mouth, go to your husband. The first lady told her husband, I'm really excited about this. I found this program. I'm excited. I want to do it. And her husband says, but you said you weren't going to do any more programs. You've been doing programs all the time. And I don't really know if the ROI is worth it. And like, where's the money going to come from? And this and that, the other. And she says, listen, Batren says to pray for it, to just, you know, ask God if, if it's meant to be, the money will come. And if it's not, then it will be super clear that it's not going to come. But it's, you know, we're going to get an answer. So he says, fine, I'm, a, I'm in. I'll help you pray. They both decide that they're going to pray on this. And uh, I think a day or two later, money comes into their account. Someone owed them three months worth of work that they finally got together and deposited. Of course, you could imagine the husband was shocked and said, of course, you're going to want work with her. You know, like, what's the question? God gave the answer. And he was on fully. Like, he was also such a supportive part in her process throughout the mastermind because he saw it working. He was he was up there with her, right? So even though he wasn't showing up to anything and he wasn't gaining any of the information that I was giving, it was spilling over. He was suddenly finding a new job and then got a raise and all these things happened to him because he realized that, oh, like this works. I'm going to try it too. The other lady went there, you know, went through the whole thing, comes to her husband, says, this is what I really want. I found this program. It's amazing. So excited about it. I just wanted, you know, to, to ask you if we can, you know, figure it out, whatever. And he goes crazy. He screams at her like nobody's business. What do you think you're doing? You're always taking my money. You're always wasting. All you want is just squeeze me out of my money. And, you know, you should just figure it out. And you know how much free stuff you can get from the insurance. And why are you looking for this, that, the other? And, and he really exploded. And he started calling her names and all sorts of really mean things. If you wanted to, like, you know be all labely about it this would probably be really you know like money abuse it was real control it was terrible but and she's used to this right this is not something new to her she knew that this is a possibility so she says to him oh thank you so much that's that's the answer and she walked away and he's with his mouth open like what i just I, you what Right. Because in the past, she would just cry and scream back. You never let me have anything. It's not fair. Blah, blah, blah. And here she's like, oh, that was the answer. Thank you. And she walked away. And he's sh shocked, shocked. Now, she told me that in the past, if this would happen, if he would say no to something that she wants, that she really was like, I really want this. And he said no to it. She wouldn't talk to him for three days. He would sleep on the couch for two days. They would take it out on the kids. Everything would go completely haywire in their house, in the atmosphere, in everything until finally she would calm down and let it go. And he would never apologize and they would move on. Right. And 
she was stuck in this loop. And when she was able to realize that actually this is just God speaking through him, this is not the right thing for me. And now I have to go figure out what is. She took responsibility. She went and found what is, you know, free through her insurance. She started going to all these support groups. She started getting her life in order. She started getting her act together. And she created miracles for herself because she realized that God was just guiding her. There's never no in God's world. There is either yes, not now, or I have something better for you. So when you are faced with life, faced with reality, faced with the people who are, you know, we used to give them a lot of power, but really the power is all in God's hands. These are all puppets. These are all, you know, parts of the illusion. And now that she didn't give him the power anymore, you're not the source of my healing. You're not the source of my transformation. If you can't give it to me, then I'll go somewhere else. God is going to guide me. And that is the answer, right? So she was able to completely leave it, drop it, move on. And she says, I didn't even, I didn't even bother fighting with him. Like he came into the room that night. I didn't care. I just did my thing. I exercised. I did, you know, I, I ate well. I went to sleep on time, whatever. She continued on with her rhythm. And she says, that was a miracle. That in itself was a miracle for me to be able to be on such a high level of consciousness that I'm not reactive was a miracle, right? Wow. So a lot of times you're going to want to hear the right answer you know, God, you're supposed to say yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, you should have done it this way. Like, didn't you get the memo, right? Because we want things to work out the way we want. But in reality, it's not always going to be the way we want. And we have to realize that that's an answer too. And so instead of getting stuck in, no, God said no. And now I'm stuck because there's nothing left. No, God never says no. God says not now or I have something better for you. Okay, God, so what should I do next? Show me, you know, like keep going, stay on that higher level of consciousness. Don't give up and continue following the crumbs, continue following. If something didn't open, if something didn't work, then that's just an answer. That's not about them. They're not rejecting you. They didn't slammed the door at you because they meant anything about it. It was just not the right place for you to be. This happened to us also when we were buying a house. We almost bought a house. Last minute, they turned around and decided they don't want to sell it to us. Like, who does that? Who cares? <laughs> like, you have the money in your hands. You come to give it to them and they don't want to take it. It was the craziest thing that ever happened to us. And I walked out, I was like, thank you, Hashem, thank you, God. And my husband looked at me and was like, have you gone nuts? They just rejected you. I'm like, I don't care, they're just a pawn. Like, they're just playing a game. I am here hearing something different. I'm hearing I have something better for you. I'm hearing I am saving you from something and you don't know what yet. And that's all I need. I trust so much that God is so good to me. Anyway, it turns out that house had a gigantic explosion in the entire system of pipes after we didn't buy it. And the people who did end up buying it had crazy work to do. 
we also ended up buying a different house that was in a be way better location and had a way better garden and everything was way better about it. Like everything, you know, if I told you the story in hindsight, you'd say, of course, everything works from God. Everything works out always. But in reality, it's not always so clear when you're in the story. It's very easy to get discouraged and very easy to hear the nose and just get like, oh, I can't believe it. How do you not figure this out? Like, God, you should have known better. And really, no, thank you, God. Like, thank you. I get that this is an answer too. And this is guiding me in the right direction. And how do I celebrate this too? right? To stay in that higher level of consciousness. So thank you for getting that answer from my husband. And thank you that I didn't get that client. And thank you that I didn't buy the house. And thank you that whatever is going on, because then I'm able to use that energy to continue that movement and propel me forward, as opposed to letting me nosedive back into that ugh, icky place. <laughs> So kind of bringing it back to the question, I think this is, there's so much that you said there, but bringing it back to the question about conversations to have with your with your husband, I think what I'm hearing then is what you want, ask directly, sort of like for his support or different ways that he could support. Because what I'm also to know is that most men, or I think most people, want to give what you're asking for. If you just put it out there into the ether, they don't know like what's going to be right what you want to hear or what you want them to do so they don't know if they're doing it right. And so hinting or wishing doesn't really work well. And so ask it clearly, and then they can actually give you graciously, for most people, what you want. Right. And, so and if they can't give it to you, that's okay. Because you have someone on your team who has uh, connections anywhere, you know? And he's very creative. He is the creator. So he's going to get it done no matter what, right? So a lot of times we think, well, if my husband doesn't do the dishes, then what am I going to do? Nobody's going to do the dishes. Like you can hire someone for less money than you sit down and stress about it, right? Like just be creative, get the things you need without having to make it all or nothing. And for some people that can actually bring their husband into the be creative it doesn't if he doesn't have to like this is what this is what i need to happen someone has something has to happen with the dinners for example so either i don't know so this is what i was thinking but maybe you have another idea and bring him into the conversation i think that really brings you both into the ownership of this new change as opposed to i'm, in, I'm bringing this change into the marriage i'm bringing this change into our life even though it's mostly my change so bringing, having that conversation, I think, can really make it more powerful. And we're both coming up with solutions. And for many men, they like to be part of the solutions. I love that. I love that. Because you know what? A lot of times they are so good at solving problems. If you just give them the problem, it's so good. What happened recently was I have, uh, I have an assistant and... I was feeling like she needed a raise, you know, I was feeling like she's starting to feel a little resentful and she could get more money somewhere else or whatever. Like I was feeling like it would just be fair to give her a raise. And I didn't know if the money made sense, you know, if like the numbers, cause I, you know, my husband's better at this. So I actually sat him down. I was like, can you help me make this decision? Cause you are better at this. What do you think we should do? How much? What percentage? Whatever. Like, tell me. 
And it was so much easier for him because he's not emotionally attached. He's just looking at numbers. He's telling me, you know, facts. And it worked so well because I was able to lean onto someone I trust and get the help that I needed without having to feel like it's all on me. And my husband felt like he was supporting me in my business. You know, he was helping me out, which was great. Win-win for everyone. I have so one I last question. So you mentioned earlier something about when the wife does more of the growing and that, that, and that gap. And so now here we are talking to wives, to women, and if their husbands are comfortable with where they are, can we talk a little bit about really that the gap could really be a reality for some people, for some for some couples. So let's talk a little bit about that. Ooh, the gap is a reality, let me tell you. So sometimes the gap is I I am more knowledgeable than him in the spiritual stuff, or I know, you know, I went to a Jewish day school and he didn't. And then he only learned everything as an adult. So he knows different, he knows it differently. The spectrum goes all the way to I'm more successful and I make more money, whatever, right? Like anything in between. That gap is usually made worse by you making it about yourself here I am, I know better. I, you know, it's very self-centered and you get really caught in that negative cycle of the opposite of humility. (laughs) And what is humility actually? It's, I am here to serve God and all these gifts I have are tools that I was given in order to serve God. So I got the tools I needed in order to serve God in this way That's not his purpose. He has a different purpose. And he got the tools he needed in order to serve God in his way. When you look at it that way, you're like, we didn't need the same tools. So we don't need to be on the same level. We don't need to be equals. We just need to realize that we're both here to serve God. So we're both here, you know, for the same reason. And that each one of us were given different tools in order to serve God in the way that we need to serve God. It makes things for, you know, an automatic equator because it's not about me versus you. It's about we, and we're here working together for the same goal, right? And so now I can support him and the things he needs to do. A lot of times this happens also that you think you know what your husband needs to do. Like, I know my husband's purpose. You know, (laughs) this -hmm. happened to me and it was really difficult to get over. But um, my husband's a rabbi and I know that he needs to shine and be big. And like, I kept pushing him. You should do a YouTube videos and you should be, you know, have a podcast and you should have lots of students and you should have followers. You should have an email list and, you know, you should have a long list of things that I told him he needs to have because that's his purpose. and. And what ended up happening is that I had to stop and listen to myself and be like, maybe I'm saying all these things because that's what I need to do. And I'm just too afraid because, you know, that's not the person that I think of myself as. Turns out I have a YouTube channel. I have a podcast. I have lots of followers. I have an email list, right? I'm doing all the things I told him to do. And when I stopped 
trying to control him and trying to grab at his purpose and, you know, trying to like tell him what to do. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do what I need to do in order to make me happy in order to serve God in the way that I was you know, called to serve. And I'm going to stop trying to control you and your way of serving. What happened was that I finally unhooked him from having to do the things that he, that he's supposed to do for me or that I think he's supposed to do. So obviously I know better. Um, and he sat down and wrote his book and he went and got it, you know, like got the, the chief rabbi of Israel to give him a letter. And he went and like, he followed every single thing that he needed to do things. I would never have the courage to do. Like, I don't know if I would be able to go and speak to these, like, you know, secretaries of rabbis and get them, you know, please have them read the book. And I need him to give me, you know, I'm like, he really pushed. He did what he knew he needed to do because that was his purpose was to write this book, right? He wrote Haggadah Pesach, which is a Haggadah for the days when you have a Korban Pesach at the table. So when you're in Jerusalem one day, please God, hopefully this year, you will have the Paschal lamb at the table and the entire Seder is different. Every Everything in the text is different. So he wrote down, you know, based on the Rambam and all the things that are in the Talmud, what the differences are and what's new, what's different, but it's all the things you're going to actually have to say and all the blessings that are, you know, in the, in the new text and all that stuff. So all the rabbis are like, wow, you did a really good job. You know, this is amazing. And this was the thing he was called to do, but I was holding him back because here I was trying to control it and think that I know better. And this is, you're supposed to do this, that, the other. Actually, he's not you. He's not an extrovert. He's an introvert, you know, and he needs to sit down and do this piece of work that is going to change the reality. So it's amazing. And then also like, you know, here you have this guy who is not a salesperson, does not have any skills in selling anything but he's going door to door talking about his Haggadah and selling it to people, you know, and he has a whole pitch and he has a whole story and he explains it really well. Why? Because this is what lights him up and this is what he's here to do. So if I had to, you know, if I'm looking back going, oh, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, why was I being so grabby and so like, you know, controlling, but it took me a while to let go because I really thought I knew better. So again, it's not about me. It's not about what I think needs to happen. It's not about what I think is supposed to be, but more about what does God want? If I can just leave it up to God and say, okay, listen, that's not my business. My business is what I do and the things that I have to show up for. So I'm going to focus on that and I'm going to completely cut off all of my grabbiness to other things, what other people are supposed to do with other people, right? Also the kids, the kids are starting to grow up and you're like, they're not supposed to do that. It's like, yeah, none of your business. It's their life now. And they're going to have to make their own decisions and they have to own their own relationship with God. It's a very difficult place to be very because we as women are really good at the grabby controlly thing. <laughs> So it's totally understandable and there's no shame about it. 
And when you can click out of it and allow God to show you how everything flows perfectly because he's orchestrating everything, it will blow your mind. Wow. So the gap is, and but I'm also seeing this, there's maybe a gap in one area, but then there's the other gap in the other area. And you're not supposed to necessarily be exactly the same and accept the difference, except where it was extreme cases, which we're not talking about. We're talking about normal, the whole normal middle. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, you have, if you have two nice people and they're just, you know, there's just like a, what, what was God thinking? <laughs> you know, a lot of times you see a couple, you're like, what was God thinking when he put them together? And then you realize actually he was exact in everything he did because we're not meant to be copies of each other. We're meant to fill each other's gaps. So if I can find my husband's strengths and I can lean on those strengths, then, oh, isn't that amazing? You know, isn't that mind blowing? And then I can do my job better than he could do his job better Then we can just have flow in our day. You know, one of the things that happened when I had my big aha moment that my husband is not holding me back. So he said, I would do anything like whatever you need. And I was like, you know, I can't do suppers anymore. Like it stresses me out between four and six is when I want to be with the kids. I cannot be with the kitchen. I can't, I can't deal with food. Also with my pregnancies, I can't look at food. Like I just don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, okay, so I'll do it. And my husband took all suppers. He makes Shabbos. Like he does so much because he is very robotic and very scientific about it. He just will do the same thing every day. And like, you know, have his systems and his routines and he knows how much and he knows whatever. I am such an artist about it. I look at the fridge and like, what is calling me to make you today? Like, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy when you think about it. It's like, <laughs> I make Shabbos and I'm like, what colors, what flavors, what do I feel like having today? And he's like, well, what do you mean? We're having chicken soup like every other week, you know, like no, no change. And as an artist, this was hard for me to swallow, but I realized that, yeah, you know, simplicity is key. If he's doing it and it's simple for him, that's fine. Let him do it. If I have the energy to make a different soup, I'll make it during the week and we'll have it for, you know, for lunches or whatever. I'm in charge of lunch. That's fine. But he does suppers and it's so, so helpful. But like, you know, I, I never really thought of his superpower as being so routine and so square about things to be so useful in these types of situations. But he was able to show me that that's a way that he could support me. So, you know, and then I went into this whole, this whole tangent, let's say something's wrong with me. You know, all my friends are normal women and I'm not making supper. So blah, 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 all the shame, all the, the stories. It was really funny, like how it catches you. And then you have to realign, readjust, be like, okay, whatever. Stop comparing. Just be happy with what you have right here, right now. Right. And celebrate that you're unique and you have a different marriage than everyone else. And that's okay. And I say it also because a lot of our suffering comes from that comparison, thinking that, you know, the husbands should, the wives should, 
this, that, the other. It's actually, they've, you know, our generation has broken all shoulds. There is no shoulds anymore. You know, if the wife takes out the garbage, then that's what works for them. And that's fine. If it's working, it's working. You know, don't, don't get involved. It's working. You know, if the husband's making Shabbos, it's working. Leave it alone. Move on, right? Like, stop getting so caught up in the noise and the external everythings. Just stay focused. And that focus is going to really push you forward because now there's no competition from the outside. There's also no competition within the house. We're both working for the same goals. I love how you say that every marriage is, there's no right way to do a marriage. I mean, there's maybe a few wrong, wrong, wrong ways, but there's no exact right way, right path to do. And I think that's really a key piece, especially as we get into uh, midlife specifically, but I think all, all throughout is that you've here, how many, however many years you've been married and there's so much has changed since you were the younger when you got married and the marriage changes, your life changes, and the world has changed. So the way you expected when you came into the marriage and the way you expected even 10 years ago is, has changed because reality has changed. Your reality has changed. You've, you've grown. Each of you have grown maybe differently in different ways. So there's no right way. And I think that's a really important piece that maybe end with of just really checking in with yourself and checking in with your marriage and making your marriage work, not making someone else's marriage work or someone else's vision of marriage work i think that's really important is to have the what you said the the connect with yourself to ask to listen but really be aligned for your marriage yes and i want to add another thing right now i was just talking to a soldier and he said when i am in fight mode i'm not processing anything i'm just like move move forward forward keep going move, move right so day after day after day you're just in survival mode. You have a focus and you move forward. And then they give us a break every three weeks to go home for you know a couple of days or whatever. Those breaks are so hard because I suddenly have to sit with myself. I have to process. People are asking me how I'm doing. I don't know how I'm doing. I haven't sat down to think of how I'm doing. I'm just go, 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 right? And he made me realize this is so similar to how we are as parents. You get married, you have a kid, you have another kid, you have another kid, you go into a system, you go into a program, you go into this, you're, you know, you're starting to like rhythms and things and you're just trying to survive. And then you're like a little bit thriving here and a little bit thriving there. But for the most part, there is a chunk of your life that you haven't even caught your breath from. And people then get to that place where they finally can take a breath and like, ah, what just happened? How did I get here? You know, what is going on? And that's the hardest part is maybe some of the things that we did, I'm not hundred percent with, or maybe I didn't expect that I have to, that I would have to deal with this, that, or the other, right? Nobody sits around and like requests their challenges in life. God just gives them to you. So you go into marriage thinking, oh, it's going to be all great. And then there's like no money. Or then there's this child that has a label. And then there's this other thing that comes up and all these things that show up in your life that almost come up in every situation. Every marriage is going to have something that's going to hit it that is unexpected. 
and you don't know it's coming and you don't know how to deal with it. And then you have to figure it out. And then you finally figure it out. And there's another thing that you have to deal with. And like, it just keeps going. And then finally you get to midlife. That's a spot that gives you a chance to process. And it allows you to be intentional about what's coming next, right? I told him as a soldier, you can continue just push, 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 push for the rest of your life and just like leave that behind. But it's subconsciously always going to haunt you. Like it's always going to come after you, right? But if, uh, but if you can stop, you know, during this break that you have, um, because something traumatic happened, obviously, not just from the go, 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 mm -hmm. but something happened to them that they were not processing yet, that if you can sit down and process it properly and really listen to all the emotions and be there with yourself and allow it to just go through you, you will learn what you need to learn. You'll gather all the pearls of wisdom and the nuggets of gold and all these things that you need to collect from that experience. And then it will help you in the long run. You know, you'll be able to talk about it differently. You'll be able to experience life differently. So same thing in, in midlife. If you can sit down right now and highly recommend, I highly recommend hiring a coach because processing emotions and processing situations and, you know, like loops that you have been living for the last 20 years, right? Of this is how it always is. And then, you know, and sometimes it's your own subconscious loop. Sometimes it's the loops that you are together with your husband, the way that you react to each other, whatever it is, if you can just pause and process that, then you will have a clear, clean plate to start with. And the things that you will start to create next are going to just be incredible because they're not going to be weighed down by all the baggage. That's a nice way to end. So thank you, Rathen. How can people reach you with your website and your social? Okay, so I am at Connected for Real, uh, connectedforreal.com, at Connected for Real on Instagram. And I have a freebie that people can get. It's called The Guide to Unravel Overwhelm. And it is so powerful. It is the first step that I took in order to get out of overwhelm and really get clear and see progress and momentum in my personal growth. And so I give it to everyone for free because it's so powerful. So in order to get that, you go to connectedforreal.com slash guide. All right. So thank you so much, Beth. And this was really a fabulous conversation about calm and about how that works with our midlife marriage. So thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me in another fascinating conversation about midlife. If you'd like to reach me, Devara Krasniansky, to talk about your midlife or anything else, you can reach me at jewishmidlife at gmail.com. You can also find us on our website, jewishmidlife.com, and follow us on Jewish Midlife on Instagram or Facebook, and join our conversations in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash jewishwomentalkaboutmidlife. And share what we're doing with your friends and others in the midlife phase.